Dangerous Times at Chillhaven High presents Ghost Story. We open on one of those now ubiquitous drone shots over a winding road through a forest that let you know that you're not just watching horror, you're watching elevated horror. This particular forest, we know it to be the Anodyne Pines, just outside of a town called Chillhaven. And on this particular winding road, we see a 2020 black Range Rover, which we know to be the Angelo Mobile. We now cut inside said Angelo Mobile, where we find Angela Atticus Jr., Zeke Lynn, and Penny White. So do you all have any questions about what we're doing? Uh, many, but I don't think any that you or anyone in this car has the capability to answer. Why? Okay. Um, how do seances work? You've what? been to one. Yeah. yeah, but like, how do they work? Oh, you're just trying to understand magic with your science brain? Mm-hmm. I don't know that you're meant to. So, okay, so I, I go back to my first thing. Not probably anything that the people in this car can answer. <laughs> okay, so we go to Flo's, we do the seance, we get the information, and then we go on our way. Bada bing, bada boom. And nothing will go wrong, for sure. No. Absolutely nothing's going to go wrong. Smooth sailing, because the three of us can do a seance without flow. So, what? how are we... I know we're using the bullet that we got from the spooky house to try to call the spooky hooded ghost that, Penny, you saw. Yep. But, um, how, how do we do that? Um... We do... Just put the bullet in the middle of the table. Do we talk to the? Do we ask the bullet for its help? Bullets don't talk. Right. Does Zeke? But no, I know the bullet can't talk. But I don't know. I was just gonna. We talk to the ghost that's in the bullet. Is the ghost in the bullet? I don't. That no, I don't think so. Um, more so, I think the bullet will maybe speak to someone who used it or was there when it was fired. So we have the picture of people who are involved. Uh-huh. So I would like to talk to um, the ghost cloak person, but... Um, who we're assuming is in the picture. Sure. I'm just kind of hoping it's just not a mean person, but as far as how it actually works, I don't know. It's more just feeling-based, and I've never really held my own, but I've watched Flo, and I'm just going to hope that since I'm in Flo's house, it will come naturally to me. So yeah, it could be dangerous, but we're hoping that it's not. We cut to an exterior shot of the Angelo Mobile as it pulls slowly to a stop. Just ahead of the vehicle, illuminated in the dark of night, only by the Range Rover's top-of-the-line headlights, we see the former home of the formerly alive Florence Beauregard. This darkened, abandoned, rustic cottage sits hollow and lifeless amidst the pines, like a mausoleum. Ever seen a Thomas Kincaid painting? Imagine the opposite of that. That's right, it's pretty spooky. Still feels so weird coming here. Every time. Yep, it's like coming to a 
big, empty, sad place. I don't think it is like that. I think it's that. And I'm glad we come here when it's dark and spooky. Well, we're about to get up to some spooky business, so gotta set the mood. All right. Angela, you carry the big bag of candles. Yes. Thank you. Let's do this. All right. We cut to darkness, interrupted suddenly by a small burst of flame, and then a second tongue of flame as Angela takes a lighter to the first candle, illuminating the dusty, cluttered, still remains of Florence Beauregard's living room. Should we, um... Should we put a salt circle down somewhere? Because there used to be one around the house, but uh, I'm pretty sure it's rained in the time that Flo's been gone. Um, just a thought. You know, we like we talked about how this place is a haven for supernatural activity and stuff, and that's why we were doing the seance here. So maybe we only limit that to the stuff that we want to be here, not the stuff that we don't want to be. We can just put it like around us, around the table. It doesn't, we don't got to go outside, put it around the house. What if the the demons come inside and then we have to see them? Okay, so you want to put it outside? Yeah. All right, all yours. And Zeke stands up and grabs a container of kosher salt and blows the dust off of it from sitting out on Flo's counter for several months and throws it at Angela. Angela catches it effortlessly and then sighs. <sighs> Fine, I'm going to go put the salt circle around the house and stomps away to fill the salt circle outside of Flo's. We cut back outside to the anodyne pines in the darkness of night. We can see in the faint orange glow through the windows of Florence's cabin as Zeke and Penny continue to set up for the prospective seance. We see Penny place the bullet that they found in the house in the picture frame that has the cloaked figure in it on the center table. Um, And Penny is helping Zeke finish lighting all the candles. Ow. Ow. Don't touch the fire. You're not supposed to light a bick for this long. Ow. Then stop. Okay, now do it again. Ow. (laughs) Wasn't long enough. (laughs) Penny and Zeke's muffled shenanigans indoors are quickly drowned out by the heavy wind that rattles through the branches of the surrounding pines. As Angela painstakingly shuffles her way backwards around the cabin, delicately pouring out salt to form a new protective circle. Angela, as the wind continues to blow, you begin to hear something hidden faintly within it. Something whispering your true name. Angela stops pouring the salt circle 
and turns over to the direction of where she hears her name being called. She pauses, takes a step forward, and then shakes her head. Mm. (laughs) I don't know about this. I'm going to pretend like I'm not hearing this, and I'm going to continue to pour my little salt circle. So Angela continues to pour her salt circle. Angela, as you attempt to return your focus to your circle of salt, your peripheral vision nonetheless locks onto something lurking amidst the distant trees. Out there in the darkness, you are just able to make out the shape of a face seemingly formed from the shadows and branches themselves. If you want to talk to me, you're going to have to come over here. I'm not leaving this salt circle. There is no response. Well, then I guess it wasn't that important. And Angela (laughs) turns around and goes inside. (laughs) I relate to that so hard. I mean, I don't know if I should be concerned about this, y'all, but, like, I think there was um, something outside calling my name. What? Yeah, like my like my given name. What do you mean something? I was putting the salt circle around the house, and, like, something kept calling for me, and I was like, I'm not falling for this. Did so you see it? I, I could, like, make out a figure, but, like, last time when I, like, got lost in the woods, y'all know I just didn't come back for a long time, so... I'm not doing that again. Uh-huh. I'm not doing that again. Okay. 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 All right. No one's asking you to. So are y'all ready for the seance? Um, uh, yeah. yeah. We're pretty no. much set up. Spooky unknown figure hanging out in the woods calling your name. Sounds like the perfect time mm-hmm. to do a seance. But listen, the salt circle's out there. Can't get in. I think we're okay. Or I think it can't get in. Who knows? But um, <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Just letting you all know that. I'm going to go lock the door. Right, because if the salt circle won't keep them out, <laughs> the, door the rudeness will. of entering a home will. We need a backup plan. I'm locking it. Okay. Angela quickly locks the door and then scurries back over to the table. Okay. We see the gang sitting around the coffee table in the center of Florence's living room with candles adorning the table the floor, the couch behind him, all of the other furniture in the room. It's deeply unsafe. Should not be candles just resting on upholstered furniture, but we had to put them somewhere, so that's where they are. Yeah, and we sit on the floor in a little... There's only three of us, so I guess it's just a triangle. Um, the strongest shape. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Our arms like just barely can reach each other around uh-huh. the yeah. coffee table. Yeah. Yeah. We left little avenues between the candles on the coffee table for our arms to reach each other. Okay. Penny, do we need a, do, is there a book you need or? or? Oh, what about your little? Yeah. Yeah. I've got my, um, I've got my sash. Um, I was just going to kind of. Try to remember what Flo did. I feel like she never sounded like she was reading a textbook and it was just like, just communication, you of know? Of course. Bullshit. Yeah. What? 
That's not the energy we need here, no. Zeke. No, no, I'm saying that's a good idea. I'm saying what, what Flo did was bull. She, she was a bullshit artist. She bullshitted. And the ghosts are gonna get you for that. Yeah, they are. What? I'm calling <laughs> upon a ghost to hit Zeke about? on the head. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's join hands. Okay. Okay. Deep breath, everybody. Oh wait, <sighs> Sash, right. Yes. We see Penny pull out her embroidered sash, tie it behind her head, and then rejoin hands with Zeke and Angela. Now you two, close your eyes. We are gathered here today. <laughs> it's like the beginning what? of a Prince song. <laughs> are we not gathered? <laughs> we are gathered. Thank you. Zeke, shut up. We are gathered here today with the desire to contact that hooded figure that really wanted me to follow them in the house. Yeah. Uh-huh, yep, mm-hmm. yep. We mean no harm. We are here as friends to learn from you. If you wish to be heard and share your message, please come forward. You all wait in silence for a moment and you hear no response to your invitation. None of you recall leaving a window open, which is why it's so strange when a chilling breeze sweeps through the house, blowing out all of the candles instantaneously. Ah. We see Penny rip her sash off and just look around. Well, what was that? This doesn't normally happen. The candles went out? Yep. I thought, I thought what I said, that was pretty good. It was pretty good. It was. I felt good about it. Um. Did you leave that window open? There's no... Zeke turns and looks at the windows. Zeke, you see that the windows are closed. And when you turn back, you see that Penny's eyes have gone completely white. Ah! Zeke, what? Penny! Angela looks over at Penny. Oh my god. Penny! Penny! Can you you hear us? Penny! Penny! The sounds of our current surroundings fade away as our camera zooms directly in on one of Penny's now cold, milky white eyes until our field of vision contains nothing else. Then, as the echoing sound of footsteps on marble begins to fill our ears, we see this eye dissolve away and be replaced with a clearer, younger-looking eye. We see the fear in this small eye as it darts to the left and right of frame, blinking nervously. As the camera pulls out and our field of vision expands, we see now that this eye and its partner just a few inches away are both located within the small, round face of a seven-year-old Penny White. You, Penny, who are now walking down a candlelit marble hall, hand in hand with your mother. Penny, you look down to see that you are wearing a simple, unadorned white floor-length gown while your mother wears a black hooded cloak. Mom, what's happening? And we see her smile and she says, it's okay, kiddo. You don't have to be afraid. You're just going to meet some friends of mommy's and you're going to get a special gift. Like on my birthday? Like 10 birthdays. Does that make me old? (laughs) She laughs. And she says, um, well, it'll make you mature. 
What's mature? And we cut back to the home of Florence Beauregard. Penny! 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 Angela's, Penny, Penny. <laughs> Angela's snapping her That's fingers. and been doing. Yes, we're just, we're waving our hands in front of you. We're shaking you up a little bit. We can't let go. Yeah. That's why we're here. So we're like, oh, oh, oh. Penny, Penny, Penny. Zeke and Angela, as the moment there's a break in your joint screaming, <laughs> you both see across the living room a spectral figure. Uh, Zeke? What? I don't want to, like, freak you out or anything, but if Already you... there. Look over your left shoulder. Okay. But don't... Don't, don't be... Real slow. Yeah, don't be, like... So, so that it can't surprise me and make me scream. <laughs> don't know how that's going to help. <laughs> 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 Hi. Do you want to know what you see? Yes. <laughs> it's gonna be, it doesn't matter. We're scared of any. You see, flickering and translucent, less defined even than any unectoplasm ghost you have encountered in the past. You see the form of a hooded figure walking slowly across the room, hand in hand, with a small child who bears a striking resemblance. To one penny white. Uh. Why does that small thing look like penny? Uh, Wait, uh, are these ghosts? Um, I'm so confused. But that's the hooded figure from the from Nethermere Manor. Wait, but if that's penny and that's, that's pen, penny, and this penny's is she is she stealing penny's soul out of her body? Listen, I don't know what is going on. Do we try to talk to it? Hello? Hey! Where are you taking Penny? The translucent figures seem utterly unaware of the yelling and screaming that you both continue to do. (laughs) But you see the hooded figure bend down and you see her mouth move silently to the child before they resume walking forward. Wait, hold on. Okay, I've got an idea. And Zeke pulls out the ghost goggles and puts them over his eyes and flicks them on without hesitation. Oh, God. Zeke, we cut to a close-up on your astral face as you rise out of your now-prone corporeal body. You find yourself not inside the safe, familiar confines of the haunted, abandoned cabin in the woods, but back inside the also-familiar but less so and also less safe, probably, surroundings of the yawning, round, marble chamber hidden in the depths below Nethermare Manor. The chamber is illuminated by candlelight, their tongues of flame flickering from the brass sconces that line the curved marble walls. Along these walls, you see a few shadowy hooded figures standing motionless at regular intervals, as still more figures file in slowly through the doorway each silently taking their place in turn along the periphery of the room until you count 12 in total. Under one of their hoods, you're just able to make out the ruby glint of a crystalline red mask. Finally, a 13th hooded figure enters the room, this one walking hand in hand with a small girl in a white gown. Hey, where are you going with my... 
What the? An Angela? Angela, where'd you go? Oh, Penny? Penny! Penny! The small child makes no indication as to having heard you. What the, what the fuck? I'm, I'm a ghost now! I'm a ghost! Hello! I just start waving at everyone. All of the figures around me in the room trying to get someone's attention. And we cut to the version of this room that Zeke's ghost isn't in. <laughs> Penny, as your mom helps you up onto the platform in the center of the room. She's eye to eye with you now as you are uh, standing up on this elevated platform. And she says, um, all right, kiddo, it's just like we talked about. All of mommy's friends are here. We're all here for you, kiddo. We're all going to help you get your special gift, okay? Okay. And we see baby Penny kind of like peer around her mom's shoulder and look at all the cloaked figures behind her. None of them are recognizable to you, Penny. You've never seen any of these people before. And their faces are shadowed by their hoods in such a way that you couldn't recognize them even if you did. Why is everyone dressed like this? It's, um, it's just how we dress in Mommy's Club. Maybe uh, when, when, you're, when you're older, after all, all your extra birthdays, we can get you a cloak too. Okay. I'm nervous, Mom. Um, baby, do you remember that one time that you and your dad and I all went to church? Kind of. You remember there was a there was a man um, up on stage in a in a special outfit with a little collar, and how he talked to everybody and and led us through our songs and psalms. Yeah. Well, you don't have to be afraid, but he's going to come spend some time with us down here for a minute, okay? Okay. And we're it's going to be just like that. We've got some songs and psalms that we're going to do, and he and he's going to participate with all of us. And then you'll get your gift. And it, it might seem a little scary or weird, um, but it's 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 going to be okay. Are you going to be with me the whole time? I will be here. I'm going to take a step back and go stand with my friends. Um, so you're gonna you're gonna have to be brave here on the pedestal by yourself. Okay. I'll be brave. I know you will, baby. And if it ever feels too weird or too scary, remember you can always just close your eyes, and it'll be over before you know it. I love you, kiddo. I love you, Mom. We cut back to the living room of Florence Beauregard, where Angela is now sitting with an unconscious Zeke body in a goggles helmet and a white-eyed, silent penny body. Right when Zeke puts his ghost goggles on and disappears, and once Angela finds out that his form is not flying around in there, she panics a little, so she gives Saber a call. Go for Saber. Saber. I don't know what to do. We're in the middle of a seance and Penny's eyes are all white and rolling in the back of her head. And then Zeke just put his ghost goggles on and just disappeared. Should I take his ghost goggles off? Uh, I don't know. Don't, doesn't weird stuff like this happen to you guys all the time? I know, but usually I have someone to consult with and now I'm just by myself. I don't know what I should do. Like, should I just like let them still be in the zone of whatever they're doing? Because if I pull them out, that might be dangerous, right? I don't know. Oh, my God, Saber. Um, well, I don't know what you want from me. Like, the only time I ever did a seance with you guys, um, nothing happened. So, like, I know I am a ghost, but I'm not, like, the ghost expert. <laughs> Just really needed, like, I don't know, some good advice here. Not really helping, but okay. Um, okay. What should I, I do? I don't know. Angela, 
I don't exist to like provide you with help. Oh, fine. Bye. Click. Angela just turns off the phone. Penny. And then she's going to start like waving her hand in front of like Penny's face and see if like, I don't know, she just doesn't know what to do. So she's kind of panicking a little bit. So just kind of like putting her hands in front of Penny's eyeballs and like poking Zeke and trying to look for Zeke's ghost form. You hang up the phone and you look around for Zeke's ghost form, Angela. And you see it standing in the center of the living room, moving his mouth silently, waving his arms in the air. (laughs) You also now see the 12 other hooded figures who surround you in a circle. All of the forms here, translucent and ghostly. Angela's going to walk over to Zeke's ghostly form and try to touch it to see if she's like with them, you know? Your hand moves directly through it. Zeke, you feel a chill down your spine. Why can nobody... I don't understand. Uh. (laughs) The heck was that? (laughs) I have never felt more ignored. I hate this so much. Um, once Angela realizes that she's not actually, like, in the same space as the ghost, um, she's gonna go and sit back down next to Penny, um, and just watch how this plays out, because, I mean, like, I don't want to pull them out of it. I don't know how, if it's dangerous to do so. So I think that Angela's just gonna let them play this out, because also she can see now what's happening, and she wants to know what's going on. We cut back to Penny. Penny, we see your gaze linger on your mother as she pulls herself free of the grasp of your little hand and backs away from you, taking her place along the wall amidst the other hooded figures. Penny, you stare ahead through the sole doorway leading into this chamber and into the impenetrable darkness that now fills the hallway beyond it. You can sense, before you're able to see, the looming form which slouches through the darkness, amongst the darkness, and makes its way inexorably towards you. You become aware now of the chanting from hooded figures that surrounds you, the grim choir of their voices rhythmically incanting in a language that you cannot understand, but know you do not like. And what you also extra super don't like is the elongated slender figure which emerges from the darkness before you. Stooping through the doorway, seeming less to arrive from the hallway than to coalesce from the darkness itself, we can see the form of a towering alabaster priest. He's cloaked from head to toe in a black that rivals the darkness from which it came. And atop his head, is a wide-brimmed black hat. And although his eyes are hidden behind impenetrable round sunglasses, you can feel his gaze boring into you. He sees you, Penny, and he smiles. Penny, after seeing the tall, gangly one, starts to fidget with her like clothes a little bit and just get uncomfortable and look back to her mom and kind of like gesture for her mom to come back. Penny, your eyes dart back and forth between the 12 hooded figures as you search for your mother. But what little you are able to see of their faces seem contorted and inhuman. 
and you find that you can no longer differentiate between them. Even the red masked visage you saw before is nowhere to be found. You feel abandoned, Penny, and utterly alone. And all the while, this towering priest slithers inexorably closer to you, his grin growing ever wider on his polished tombstone face. Zeke and Angela, meanwhile, look on in utter helplessness. Ah! Rock priest! Angela! Stop the- stop him! Penny! Penny! Get off the pedestal! Penny! Get off the thing! Just get off it! Angela, you watch as Zeke continues to flail silently before you. <laughs> I think Angela's like kind of chuckling a little bit, but she knows this is very serious and um, she knows that she can't do anything, so unfortunately she just sits there and watches. Penny, you feel a chill sweep through you and are suddenly filled with this squirming, all-encompassing sense of being watched, like an insect pinned beneath a microscope. You realize that the feeling is coming not from the priest or from the surrounding figures, but from above, and you crane your small neck up to see the swirling black vortex that has opened above you. Through this crackling portal, you find yourself gazing up into the distant blackness of deep space. But this space is not full of stars, Penny. It is full of eyes. Countless, unblinking eyes. Your attention returns to the priest now, who has stopped directly before you. You see his mouth open wide, far wider than a human being's mouth is supposed to open. And you see this all-seeing void mirrored inside his gaping yaw. You begin to feel a tearing, Penny, as though somewhere deep inside of yourself, something was being pulled loose. Angela and Zeke, you watch as a glittering trail of dust begins to swirl around the small spectral Penny, drifting off of her and towards the mouth of the spectral priest. But you see something else as well, something trickling down into her from the void above. Quit it! Quit it! Quit it! Zeke's waving his hands through the streams. Quit it! Get it out of here! Penny, you continue to shudder in horror as you feel this ineffable transference occurring within yourself as the monstrous priest simultaneously tears pieces away from inside of you and like air rushing to fill a vacuum, something squirming, writhing, and pulsating slithers into your psyche from above to take its place. Wrapping itself in a tight coil around the buried depths of your young mind. Angela and Zeke, you watch the air seem to grow thick around the child on the pedestal, and you can see the ripples in her physical form, trails like snakes moving under the skin of her arms and legs. But beyond the young Penny, you can sense something else. You can feel the gaze of the priest, burning through his opaque black glasses and boring directly into you, as though somehow, impossibly, he can see you both. At that time, Angela runs over to Zeke's body and rips off the glasses. What? Zeke. Oh, thank God. They're gone. The rock. He's just staring. Zeke, you follow Angela's pointed finger to the now translucent, 
holographic-looking form of the rock priest crouched in the center of Flo's living room. And find that you can still see the vague outline of the darkened entrance to the hallway behind him from which he emerged. From this same darkness, Zeke, you can now see another form appear. Also flickering, ethereal, and ghostly, this figure walks with slow, determined confidence into the room. And Zeke, you recognize instantly the form of your mother, holding a gun pointed directly at the young Penny White. Oh shit, your mom killed everyone. (laughs) Penny, you just have time to register the woman that has entered the room with a gun pointed at your head before you hear the bang and you see, in slow motion, the spinning bullet closing the distance between the two of you before stopping mere centimeters away from your skull. And you feel, Penny, whatever it is that now inhabits you, grow hot with rage and explode. And then all you see is white. Zeke and Angela, you are both momentarily blinded as the room is filled with a flash of pure white light. When your vision returns to you, the young Penny, the rock priest, Zeke's mom, and the rest of the ghostly projection have vanished. And before you, seated at the table, you see that the eyes of the real Penny are now clear. We cut to the bedroom of one Angela Atticus Jr. the following morning. We see Angela ferociously scribbling on her whiteboard, writing down notes and drawing lines that lead to other sentences and just kind of creating this map of of thoughts as uh, Zeke and Penny enter her room. Guys, I've been up all night trying to piece together everything, and uh, I just need you to look at it. And then Angela's like, voila! You all see this smattering of, like, crumpled up empty energy drink cans all over the floor, food wrappers crumpled up in the corner. Yep. All my little burbies are all over. My birds are on my on my whiteboard, and they're just hanging out in the bed. They're all very worried about me. Uh, well, Angela, I was going to tell you that I think Scoobum's gotten to the trash downstairs, but what? now I see it might have just been you. Yeah, I haven't, I didn't sleep. That makes two of us. Yeah, how could you Three sleep? of us. Yeah. It was a lot that we saw yesterday. Penny, how are you? I don't know. Um. How are you, Zeke? Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah, Why? You, you look fine. What, what, nothing happened to to me. It's pen, 
we're worried about Penny. Penny, uh, so how much how much of last night do you remember? Were you so were you seeing the same thing that Angela and I were seeing with all of the hooded figures and the rock priest and his nasty snake mouth? And the void opening up in the sky. Yeah, and the, yeah, and yeah, the black yeah, hole in thanks. the sky and also the Yeah, black we don't hole need to like hole. go into description anymore, but I didn't watch it with you, but I remember it now. If that makes any sense. So oh, so you were seeing it like from like you were in it. Um, I remember it, I got to relive it, and here I am next day. Did you all notice that there were thirteen hoods in the room? But when we went to that place, there was only markings of 12 people that vanished. No, I had not noticed that. I wrote it on I wrote it on the board. And Angela points to her scribble scrabble. But someone survived other than you, Penny. Mm. Good, great. I don't know. Bad. I don't but that they know stuff, and they're out there somewhere, supposedly. With that photo you have, Penny, maybe we could do a location spell? Because it's of the whole congregation. So if we do a simple location spell, maybe it'll point us to somebody in this photo that's still alive? I mean, we've never done that before. Yeah, but... uh, I mean, we can try. Well, we could do a magic spell, but if we don't want a bunch of monkey's paw unintended consequences like having all of us sit through a reenactment of Penny's childhood trauma um i we could just we could just do we could just do a old fashioned old fashioned computer style do a little do a little hack and hack and hack and slash little little dot hack sign i could like take the photo and scan the faces and and get into some kind of facial recognition database and see if we get any hits on people, see what comes up, cross-reference, Google Maps, something, something. I'll figure it out. I'll watch some YouTube tutorials. Great. Um, well, if that doesn't work, location spell. All right, that's your task. Okay. Oh, oh, all right. All right. Penny, can I have the photo, please? Oh, yeah. And Penny digs around in her backpack and hands out the picture. All right, I'm going to snap a photo of it with my science watch. Okay, so this should be pretty easy. All I got to do is make a little program, a little, little computer virus, if you will, that I can send out to the Internet and infect into a bunch of different government databases, security camera networks, uh, to cross-reference the faces in the photo with the faces on all of that footage and see if it gets any hits. Okay, Zeke, while you figure this out, I'm going to take a nap. What? It's like nine in the morning. Um, some of us didn't sleep last night. Um, All of us didn't sleep last night. Well, good night. Okay. All right. Yeah, this should only take me like five minutes to complete the program, but it is going to take the program who knows how long to run because, you know, it's going to be scanning through like decades of video footage and web articles and stuff. Hence why I'm taking a nap. Okay. You have a nice nap. Um... Penny, you want to come over and play Smash and not think about the horrible things we saw? Yeah, can we invite Scoobums? Scoobums! Yeah! You want to come over? You can be a big guy and punch Zeke! Not 
in real life. I'm going to clarify that right now. Don't punch me in real life, please. Um, I, okay. <laughs> you just got to be able to press a button real fast. I can press button like on the video recorder. Yeah, like on the video recorder. Press the red button like blood. Yeah. <laughs> can we ride him home? No. Yeah. Only with permission. Yeah, no. Scoobums, can we ride you home? Okay. <laughs> well. Yes. I'll get my saddle. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and we cut to a montage of Angela yawning <sighs> and laying restfully in bed like a Disney princess covered with small birds. <laughs> Bird poop. <laughs> We cut from that to Zeke and Penny, fists pumped in the air cheerfully as they ride on Scoobum's back as the Swamp Cabbage Bionic Man uses his bionic legs to charge down the street to Zeke's house. This is worse than the hoverboard. This is great! We then cut to a computer screen, processing through a series of images, black and white photos, surveillance camera footage, government files, newspaper clippings, all that other computer search montage stuff. Yeah, there's green rectangles and they're showing up and they're zooming in around somebody's face and then the face is getting really big and blurry and then there's text cycling next to the face and then a green rectangle moves over there and highlights a name and then that connects to a line and more pictures come up and then there's a red rectangle around those and that happens a bunch of times. <laughs> and we cut to Zeke and Penny and Scoobums playing Super Smash Brothers on Zeke's cathode ray tube television. <laughs> We then cut back to the computer screen, searching, searching, more images, more rectangles, more names, beeps, boops, blops. We cut out of montage now. Zeke, Penny, and Scoobums still banging away at Super Smash Brothers as Pikachu and all of his friends or whatever throw each other around on the screen. And we hear over a loudspeaker, a ding like a microwave before Sophia says, Hello, Zeke. Hi, Sophia. The search results for your new computer program have finished. Oh, 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 uh, okay, I'm going to set my controller down. You guys cannot kill me. No, Scoobums, you can't. Scoob! Damn it. <laughs> we both fell off. I gave you a hug and then we died. <laughs> I win. Yeah, you win again, Penny, for the 12th time in a row. Penny wins! <laughs> Okay, I'm sorry. What were you saying, Sophia? Oh, the search results are done. That's right. Unfortunately, since the .exe file you wrote isn't approved by my programming, I'm going to just scrub it right off my hard drive. Wait, no, no! What are the results? Please enter the admin password. Oh, shit. Uh, Dad! Oi, oi! What's the admin password for Sophia? Admin password. <laughs> <laughs> Admin password. Here you go. With that, the much larger flat screen monitor that Jeff has installed in the wall of this room, as he did in every room in the house, flickers to life. And you are presented with the sole result of your search, Zeke. It appears that your coding acumen is not quite at the level that you might have imagined it. Although you had set the parameters of the search to only seek out recent photographic evidence linked to any of the individuals in the congregation group photo, the result which Sophia has presented you with appears to be much, much older. Displayed on the screen 
is a high-resolution scan of an old newspaper clipping. The newspaper in question is the Los Angeles Gazette, and the date at the top of the clipping reads December 3rd, 1926. At the center of the clipping is an aged sepia-tone photograph of three individuals standing proudly in front of a small building. All three of them in priest garb. One of these priests you recognize instantly. Although he is significantly shorter than he appears in the congregation photo, his appearance is otherwise identical, despite the significant passage of time. Here, in this photo, is unmistakably Father Morningside, the anchorite, standing beside a large sign which reads, The Greater Los Angeles Teetotaler Society. Hey, wait a minute. This picture's like a million years old. God damn it, I suck at programming. So all we got was a picture of the priest, not of anyone else? Yeah. What the heck is the Greater Los Angeles Teetotaler Society? Ah! Ah! Zeke starts rubbing his temples really aggressively. I just want one thing... To just be like, hey, here's my question. Oh, here's a, here's the answer to that question, Zeke. Here's a definitive solid answer to the thing you ask. Not, here's a separate weird thing that now brings up five other questions you got to answer. The sound of Zeke's loud complaining fades down now. As our camera zooms slowly in on the still, monochromatic face of Father Morningside displayed on the monitor until the resolution is reduced to an abstract cluster of pixels, and then fades to black. We then begin to zoom back, out of this darkness, and find ourselves no longer in the home of Zeke Lynn, but instead in the darkened office of Meredith Indigo. Seated at the desk, we see the ghostly form of a goateed scientist with a wild schlock of hair and cool steampunk goggles known to us as Zephyr Indigo and to his friends as Professor Z. Ah, the results of my most recent run of simulatrons have come in. Like I always say, a lucky farmer is one who raises a bumper crop of good boys. I don't know why I'm saying all this out loud. I'm here alone at night. There is no way anyone could hear me, even if I screamed. As Professor Z's attention is held by his uh, simulatrons or whatever the fuck he said, we can see a stirring behind him in the darkened corner of the office. We see emerge before our eyes, as though coalescing from the darkness itself, the face of Father Morningside, his mouth fixed in a rictus grin, which then begins to open and unnaturally expand. We cut, mercifully, to the hallway just outside of Meredith Indigo's office door, just in time to hear Professor Z's final ghostly screams. Ah! Akunliba! 
Act 3, happen? Say, when are these kids gonna get around to finding out my tragic backstory? I don't even know that I have one, but I bet it'd be a hurt to find out. Oh well. Until then, let's learn this podcast's tragic backstory with these credits. Angela Atticus Jr. is performed by Megan Stressman. Penny White is performed by Bess Lawson. Zeke Lynn is performed by James Kenlar, who is also the composer for all of the podcast's original music. All other characters, human or otherwise, are performed by Philip Stressman, who is also the producer and game master of Dangerous Times at Chillhaven High. Additional sound effects, provided by Zapsplat.com. Monster of the Week Tabletop Game, created by Michael Sands. Until next time, everyone.